One of the things that makes the English language so difficult is that it is a very dynamic language. That is, the language is always changing. Uh, nuances are being added into the, the way you speak the language. Um, for instance, some Europeans have a very difficult time understanding the difference between uh-huh and uh-uh. They don't, they don't understand the difference in the inflection and all of that and what it, and what it means. And, and you know and I know that words have changed and we've all had that embarrassing moment where you've been driving somewhere and your kids are in the back seat and your kids are having to give you grammar lessons about what words are in and what words are out now. Dad, nobody says that anymore. You know, my, my favorite word for a long time was cool. Someone had me, that's cool. And, and the boys would roll their eyes and go, Dad, do you know how uncool it is to say cool? And, and so they had to, and, you know, give me the, the grammar lessons. It's, it's the word love. The word love is one of those that is constantly being morphed and pressed by our culture to mean something that it was never intended to mean. And one of the interesting opportunities that we have as a church is to help our world understand the definition of this real important word, love. Now, interesting, we're not the first people to have to face that challenge. Paul had to do it for the church in Corinth. He did it in 1 Corinthians 13. Stand with me in honor of God's word. If I speak with human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I give my body order to, be, to boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful, it is not arrogant, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not irritable, it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it too will come to an end. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully even as I am fully known. Now these three, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
three things remain. Faith, hope, love. And the greatest is love. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. So many years ago, a church got confused about what the word love meant, and now we live in a culture that is very, very confused. So help us understand the word as you showed it to us, as you lived it in front of us, that we may live it for our world, that they in turn may know your love for them. And we pray this in your name, amen. If you have taken the time to read any of the Corinthian correspondence, uh, you will recognize that there was a controversy in the church about spiritual gifts. The Corinthians saw themselves as being a very spiritual congregation, and they took spirituality very seriously. Uh, they sought the gifts, they wanted to be spiritual, and they wanted gifts that were evident, that people could see uh, like the gift of tongues, like the gift of prophecy. And so at times, if you kind of read between the lines, you can see that maybe the worship experience became a little chaotic as, as too many people would speak in tongues and no one would interpret or someone else would prophesy and no one would be there to back it up. And, and so Paul is having to help this church understand all of that stuff is great. But if you do not love, it's nothing. All of those things that you want are good things. We want you to be as spiritual as you possibly can be. What most of us don't get is that to be as spiritual as we want to be, love is the foundation of that. Love is the first expression of that. We would rather debate theology and argue about prophecy. Okay, are we in the end times again? I get an email a day. Are we in the end times again? And there'll be something where they have found 666 on a, peep of, a piece of paper somewhere, and that's the evidence that this is the end times. If it is the end times, you won't know it. There's no prize for guessing the right date of the Lord's return. He's not gonna pull you out of heaven's line and say, hey, who had September 10th? Oh, I did, I, I had that. That's great if you get the right date. But if you don't love. Now, our world has taken that word and pounded it to sand to where it means nothing and everything and all things again. Love is an intense emotional reaction to a moment. Oh, I love this. Uh, love is, um, uh, love is sex. Mm. According to the life of Jesus Christ, who is the definition of love, Love is accepting the beloved 
and then seeking the best for the beloved, even when it costs you your own life. Now, it's been interesting to be a Christian in these times where the world has tried to quote our scripture back to us. Don't you love when that happens? Oh, the world will say, you have to love me. Jesus says, you have to love me. And that is right. I have to love you. It is the law of the Lord that I love you. Now, that, that's an interesting spiritual journey, isn't it? The Lord says, I have to love you whether I want to or not. Yes, you can learn to love. The Lord can teach you how to love so that it will be the one thing that you desire for the other person. But while love requires that I accept you as you are, where you are, Love doesn't lie. It means I'm committed to your best. It means I'm committed to helping you see who you are in Christ, what Christ has done for you, and what Christ can and will do in and through you if you will give him your life. Yes, I will love you. And yes, you will be my friend. Even if you don't make the decisions that I want and pray that you will make, I will still be your friend. But I won't ever let up on what we know is best for you. And living a life outside of God's plan for you is not best. Now I know you're waiting for me to put the hammer down on those in our culture who have chosen what we call alternative lifestyles. Um, uh, our, 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 the people who are trans in our community, the people who are, are gay and lesbian in our community. Listen, it doesn't matter how you're outside God's will it doesn't matter how you express that. Being outside God's will is being outside God's will, even if you have chosen socially acceptable ways to do it. Okay? Some of you have forgotten your marriage vows and committed adultery with your jobs. And because you are, quote, successful, and because you are, quote, paid well, and because you are recognized in your community, you think you're doing okay. Outside God's will is outside God's will, however you express it. <gasps> Mike, you don't mean I'm like them, whoever your them is. I'm like, like them. No, I don't want you to understand that. In some cases, you're worse. Why? Because you know. Because you know. You spend some time talking to our friends, our neighbors, 
you hear their story. You hear sometimes about a life of being abused sexually, about being abandoned by family. And you talk about trying to survive a train wreck. That's what a lot of our neighbors and friends have tried to live through. You may not have done much better yourself had you been in their shoes. It's one thing to start messed up and not be able to find your way. There's mercy in that. But to be in a church every Sunday and know scripture and know the Lord and still choose those things that are not of him, there is a different, different standard for those of us who know. Sitting with a friend a couple of days ago over lunch and he says, everybody's doing it. I look at him, I said, one, probably everybody's not doing it. There are a couple of billion people in China who probably aren't doing it. So not everybody's doing it. And it's sad, it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. You know better. When I was growing, I had a little brother. And my little brother got me in trouble all the time. And he got me in trouble when he got in trouble. Did you ever get this as an older brother? We would come home, Mitch had done something, my mom and dad would yell at Mitch, they would look at me and go, and why did you let him do that? I, I was just here. You're the big brother, you know better. But I was just standing, no, different standard. When you know better. How do you know better? Because you've been loved. You know where you were. You know what you were doing. When it hit you, you were at the end of the line. You couldn't do this anymore. Something's got to give. And it wasn't something that gave, it was someone who gave. And it was Jesus who changed his life for your life in that moment and gave you not another chance. He gave you the first chance in a new life. You know, listen, people come to me and go, hey, I just want to get back to where we were. Where we were got us where we are. Why do we want to go back and make those things? No, uh -uh. we want to do something different. It can give you a second chance. No, it's a first chance of a new life. Amen. And that's different. How do you know that? Well, you know, Jesus thought you might forget this. So he gave us a moment to remind you of what love really looks like, of what love really costs. Our deacons will be taking their places, preparing to serve you the Lord's Supper. There are three things that remain. 
faith, hope, love. And the greatest is love. And this is what love looks like. So as the deacons come to serve you now, use these moments to prepare your own heart for the Lord's Supper. Receive the bread, receive the cup. If you belong to Jesus, then this belongs to you. So Lord Jesus, now welcome us to your table that in receiving the bread and receiving the cup, we may remember the price you paid for us, what we cost you, and what following you will cost us. We pray this in your name.